coming up on In Session. The key thing is the manager needs to be able to use the levers of purpose and people and process to be able to get to that North Star of success. In today's episode, we'll discuss how to be an exceptional manager with our guest, Julie Zhu, co-founder of InSpirit and former vice president of product design at Facebook. Julie argues that the most important job a manager has is to help a group of people achieve a common purpose. While this idea sounds simple and straightforward, to do it well requires careful planning, regular expectation setting, and near-constant feedback. In Julie's experience, management is a highly personal and never-ending journey best pursued with a growth mindset. While at Facebook, Julie led the teams behind some of the world's most popular mobile and web services used by billions of people daily. At InSpirit, she works with senior executives to design products that solve problems and enhance organizational culture. Julie also writes about technology, design, and leadership on her popular blog, The Year of the Looking Glass, and in publications like The New York Times and Fast Company. She graduated from Stanford University with a degree in computer science and is the author of The Making of a Manager, What to Do When Everyone Looks to You. Our host for today's episode is Lori Murphy, Assistant Division Director for Executive Education at the Federal Judicial Center. Lori, take it away. Julie, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here, Lori. So, Julie, as I read your book, um, one of the things it seemed to me that you were arguing is that to be an effective leader requires being an excellent manager. What's the difference, in your opinion? So I think about leadership as a quality or a trait, and I think about management as a role. And so I think that if you look at our lives, you know, we're oftentimes in positions where we are leaders or we're followers. And uh, so leadership can also be quite contextual. I think, for example, let's say you were at the mall and the incident happened and then some store clerk says, hey, everyone, like we need to evacuate. Come with me. Follow me. We're going to go this way. That person is acting as a leader in that that situation. You know, she and leadership is really the act of being able to help direct other people in a way that you're trusted and others will follow you. So that's what I think leadership is. Now I think about management as a job. Um, It is a kind of role. It's like saying someone is a teacher or a heart surgeon. There are actual specific accountabilities in that particular job. And so the job of a manager is simply to get great outcomes from a group of people. You know, that's what the the manager should be judged on. That's you know how we should say whether or not a manager is performing or not. And so to be a successful manager, I think you absolutely need to be a great leader um, because if nobody wants to follow you, then it's going to be very difficult for you to get those great outcomes. The distinction for me is that you know people who aren't managers can also be leaders. And in fact, whether or not you're an individual contributor or in a management role, there are likely opportunities for you to grow and lead, and that will be you know wonderful for your team and or your organization. In your book, you define the essence of management as helping a group of people achieve a common purpose, which I really love. Originally, my thought was that sounds more like leadership than a manager's task, but is that really the case based on what you just told us? 
I think about the fact that as a manager, uh, you know, the, one of the questions that I always had when I was starting is like, well, what, what makes me great at the job? And it's actually easy to look at maybe particular tasks like hiring or, you know, giving feedback or, or doing meetings. But those are all things that, that kind of contribute to what we're really trying to do, which is getting a group of people to accomplish some goal together. And, you know, whether you're part of a, a company or a, a part of an organization or a nonprofit, there's likely a reason why that, that structure exists. And there's something that uh, is, you know, what the, the group considers success. And so the key thing is the manager needs to be able to use the levers of purpose and people and process to be able to turn, you know, this group of people and all of their talents into how can we actually get to that North Star of success? So, um, you know, many people think when you become a manager, it's a, it's a promotion. Usually that's the case. Um, and you prefer to think of it as a transition. So help us understand how new managers can transition into the role successfully. I really like the word transition because I think it helps convey what I really believe management to be, which is it's a different job. You know, previously, you know, as, as in my case, you know, I was I was writing code, I was designing, and once I became a manager, you know, I oversaw people who designed and who wrote code. I supported them. I helped you know that group become more effective. But I was no longer doing a lot of the day-to-day designing or coding. It, it is a completely different job. Um, and in fact, to be a great manager doesn't necessarily take the same skills as what it took to become great at you know, your individual contributor role or what you were doing before. And so promotion sort of makes it feel like you've gotten to the next level and somehow you're better or you're, you've acquired these skills and you've leveled up. Whereas transition, I think, more accurately describes that it is a different job and now you have to actually learn different skills and to be good at it, you know, you're, you're going to have to do maybe different things than what you were doing before. So one of the key things that I think about and, and what makes a successful transition is, is um, taking a step back and actually getting to very clear understanding of what the expectations for success are in the job at different time frames. So when you first become a manager, um, it's great to sit down with your own manager and to actually create kind of a, a, you know, a framework, right? Like, what does success look like in my first month? What does success look like in three months, in six months, and then finally in a year or two? And, um, and you know, you have to, I think, have that conversation with your own manager because probably everyone's maybe understanding your expectation of what is it that you're supposed to do and what does it mean to do a good job might be slightly different. And I found that um, a lot of misunderstandings or, or, you know, kind of people thinking somebody else isn't quite doing right can be uh, addressed if there's a lot more of that uh, conversation up front. Just like, you know, if you take on any new role, sit down, understand what it means for you to be successful in that role and um, and what are the kind of guideposts to success over different timeframes. So how long does this transition take? Because it sounds like what you're really describing is a process and over time. And, and then how do you know you've transitioned successfully? Is it just that your manager is thinks you're doing a good job? 
it's going the transition is going to look a little bit different, I think, for every person and every context. So as an example, if you are transitioning from being an individual contributor to a, com- a manager for the very first time and you've never managed before, that's going to look a little bit different than if you are um, you know, transitioning from like one team to another or from one company to another company, but you have managed before. It also depends on, right, have you ever hired somebody before? You know, have you ever run a meeting before? Have you uh, ever been in this situation where you've had to make, you know, different prioritization decisions before? The transition can actually become even almost like feel more like a formalization than it is like a a real difference. Um, But other times these things are totally new for someone. And so they kind of have to go through it for the first time. They have to actually uh, be trained, you know, try it out, like reflect on what it takes, come up with their own playbook for like, okay, what does it take now for me to grow and successfully hire my team? And that I think has to be kind of done hand in hand with that person's own manager, as well as an understanding of what the team needs. And what about for someone who's jumping from maybe a mid-level manager role to an executive role? How is that different or is it? The difference for me in terms of when you become a manager and what's kind of the next uh, transition or change is when you go from directly managing individual contributors to now managing managers. I think that's actually quite a transition as well. You're in that in that step, becoming a little bit more further removed from the work and learning more and more how to delegate and how to trust people with big problems and, and you know, get stuff done without being enough in the details to kind of, you know, even uh, be able to talk to the person who is even doing that work. Um, and so that's oftentimes when people think about executives, like oftentimes it's, it's more of a focus towards uh, things like uh, aligning everybody around a shared purpose. It's more becomes more critical your ability to hire and coach great leaders uh, and grow them, you know, grow leaders of your own uh, and your ability to, uh, uh, to, I think, focus on high level process and strategy and all of that um, versus, you know, more tactical running of day-to-day meetings or, or kind of making specific decisions. So more strategic and less tactical. So Julie, if, if the major tasks of a manager, as you've said, are to improve the purpose or the why, the people or the who, and, and the process or the how of a team, what are our best tools as managers for improving those three things, purpose, people, and process? So of purpose, people, and process, I tend to think that people is the most critical of all. And so if you're, if you're thinking about, okay, how can I be more effective? How can I help my team get to bigger outcomes or, or more efficiently achieve them? Then I will always go back to like, let's look at people. Do you have the right people with the right skill sets in the right roles? That's one major lever, probably the biggest one, right? Because, you know, if you don't actually have the right talent, um, you can do a lot of coaching, you can add a lot of process, you can focus on on purpose, but you may not just be able to get additional output because you don't have the right people in the right role. So, so that's always, I think, the most important thing to think about. Now, if you do think you have great people and they have the, the right talent, then the additional lever is going to be on coaching them and growing them. And this is where giving feedback, learning to give and receive feedback becomes hugely important. Um, I think it's just a great skill for life. And I think it's a critical, absolutely necessary skill for successful managers. Um, Because frankly, no matter how good all of us are, it doesn't mean like we're there. We're not We're not static. You know, we can always be better. And I think that the purpose of understanding feedback as 
the best way to help each other grow, and the best way to 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 make us, you know, the 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 tomorrow's version of us better than today's version means that we kind of have to lean into giving feedback and. Feedback doesn't always have to also be negative. I think we sometimes have this idea of like, oh, I should only give feedback if, if something's wrong. No, if someone's doing something really well and they're doing it in a way, a particular way that makes it great, you know, it's, they're bringing great energy to a meeting. They were very succinct in, in, in summarizing an important point. Call that out. Because the more that we understand about what we do well and what we should uh, improve in, then the better we're going to try next time. Yeah, we're going to go and lean into our strengths and we're going to try and, and work on improving our weaknesses. And so as a manager, it really goes down to let's focus on giving feedback. Let's focus on giving specific feedback that both helps someone recognize what their strengths are and how to improve on their weaknesses. Um, so that's a huge, huge lever. Um, I think when it comes to, let's say, process, I think one of the most important levers for process is spending time with the team reflecting on how the way that we work together can be improved. So process for me is just simply the norms of how things get done among a group of people. And oftentimes, you know, the way that things get done is the way they've always been done or the way that we've always done them, which isn't necessarily intentional, right? It's just uh, what we're used to. And so oftentimes getting together and reflecting and saying, hey, are we doing things in the way that is best? in the way that is maybe the most efficient or produces the best decisions or yields the best results, or even maybe makes all of us feel the most included and energized and enthused about what we're doing. Um, those are questions that it's very easy to just go months, days, years without thinking about them. And so if we take the time to periodically, let's say once a month or once a quarter, actually gather all of the people in who work together uh, in a room and say okay let's 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 think about how the last three months went you know what was done easy what took longer than it should have what was frustrating for for some of us you know what was smooth that we want to replicate and to use that as a time to really hone in on the process and to come up with suggestions or modifications for the future and then you you know, you go and try that again, you'll figure out some things that work well, some things that don't, you know, you go and, and reflect once more, and it's kind of an iterative process. But I love reflecting on process, because I really think that always, every time I do it, you know, we come up with um, so many energizing ideas for how we can improve the way that that we as a group of people work together. And then finally, when it comes to purpose, you know, I think purpose is is really critical when the team becomes bigger and bigger. If it's just two or three people working together, oftentimes the idea of what success looks like or what are we all trying to do or, you know, how should we uh, align ourselves? It's pretty easy, right? You, you probably don't even have to maybe be that explicit about it because it's just two or three people you talk all the time and, you know, it's clear what you're trying to do together. But when your organization becomes, you know, 20 people or 50 or 100 or 1,000 people, then suddenly, you know, all of us maybe even maybe if we're only like 5% different in what we understand process to be, by the time you take that, you know, through enough people, suddenly you have people who have maybe completely different ideas of, of what it is, you know, we're trying to do. And so as a leader and as a manager, oftentimes taking the time to, to go and, and, and simplify and communicate and to tell stories and to work on, you know, uh, whether it's presentations or Q&As or whatever it is, 
helps bring that alignment um, into focus. Uh, you know, constantly saying, guys, these are this is what success looks like. These are our goals. This is what we know. Uh, 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 this is what, what will tell us that we're doing a good job or a poor job and just really making sure that that gets uh, permeated throughout a larger organization is, is really, really uh, critical. So what I'm hearing you say, Julie, is that communication is really a thread that comes through all of this. And for each of these purpose, process, and people, it's not just about the manager. It's the manager in partnership with those who report to the manager. Absolutely. The way that you get a group of people to work better together is oftentimes by inviting them into the conversation because they have a much better idea of what's difficult, what's not, what's working well about how things are done, what's not, you know, what's helping them be effective in their job or what's holding them back. And so as a manager, the more you can invite them at a personal level, but at a team level and and even at a broader org level, the better. I want to go back to something you said earlier about ongoing feedback to, to help people keep aligned with the purpose and to make sure that process is going okay and that they are getting the most out of themselves and you're getting the most out of them. So one of the things I loved in your book is you you said feedback is a gift, and that's actually a phrase I've used for a long time, so, so I loved it. It's not just enough to give feedback. It's also important to get feedback. So I'm wondering if you could talk about that both from what you'd recommend for others, but also how you have uh, gotten and given feedback. It's really, really important for managers and people in positions of leadership to ask for feedback because oftentimes it won't come naturally. It's just a huge risk, right? Why, why do I want to make this person maybe like me less? Um, and so as a manager, the best thing you can do is to create a culture of feedback is to really proactively ask for it and to make it feel like it will be okay if somebody tells you something, even about something that you didn't do well, and that you truly care about it because you believe that feedback, you know, to your point, is a gift, that it's the thing that's going to help make us stronger. And so this is a huge example to me of where leaders have to walk the walk. Like if you're giving a ton of feedback to other people and telling them they should or shouldn't do this or they need to do this better, you better also be, you know, just as often asking for that and saying, hey, because I care so much about feedback and its importance, I'm going to ask you guys for feedback all the time. And so that means, you know, sometimes in a one-on-one, right, maybe not every single week, but maybe, you know, every two weeks, once a month, you're having a one-on-one with one of your reports. Just taking the time to step back and say, hey, I want to get some feedback on, you know, how how have our meetings been going for you? What do you think I could be doing better to support you? Is there even anything about the way that we run our check-in or, or, the, or this particular meeting that, that could make it more effective for you? Every time kind of wondering, could I do this better in the future? Go and ask for a round of feedback. It's about communicating that this is a culture of feedback is important. And it's also about going and actually demonstrating it in your day to day. It's the invitation and the creating the environment in which it's safe to get that information. I'm curious how feedback has helped you to grow and change and, uh, and learn. Uh, there's a ton of things that I feel like I've gotten much better at as a result of feedback. 
worked at Facebook, we had a process where every six months, um, everybody would just give peer feedback to all of the folks that they worked closely with. You know, you said you'd give it and then you'd also receive it. And I love the idea of 360 feedback. I think you can also do this even if it isn't something that is a, is a uh, you know, a process, a formal process at your organization. But what it really means is you just go out and you talk to all of the folks that you've been working closely with and you ask them, Hey, if you think about our interactions together um, over the last, you know, three months or six months, what are some of the what's the best thing that you feel like, you know, uh, that that I've brought to the problems that we worked on together, um, and what's one or two things that you believe will help make me more effective in the future? And you know, you can ask this of let's say six or seven people, and what's really valuable is the uh, the patterns that kind of come out, right, uh, of it. You know, and people might you know help me realize, for example, that um, that one of the things I should work on is how I communicate. How do I simplify and how do I get things to the essence of of what they need to be, rather than producing these drafts and documents about our plans that are five or six pages, which you know nobody really wants to to to, to fully read. Right. Um, other things that I have learned about myself um, are even, you know, feedback through the recruiting process. I oftentimes will reach out and say, you know, is there anything that would have been better about this interview process for you um, that could that could have made this a better experience because we won't, we know we'll be hiring more candidates in the future. And if anything was a turnoff about the way that, um, that the process went, like we want to know about it so that we don't repeat that mistake in the future. What you're essentially saying is, you're going to try and iterate and ask for feedback and grow and change. And you're assuming you don't have all the answers. That's right. When I became a manager, you know, I really felt that I needed to show up as, as extremely confident all the time that if, you know, somebody asked me a question and I wasn't really sure of the answer that I should just say something and deliver it. Like I was a hundred percent sure. Um, because I guess that was the impression that I had of managers and bosses, you know, through popular culture, maybe through some of my own past experiences. It always felt that the person at the top was this, you know, guy who had like a lot of confidence and a suit and, and you know, just like, a, like wasn't somebody who didn't know what was going on. But what I've learned through my own experience is that, in fact, I felt that whenever I pretended like I knew the answer, I was robbing myself of an opportunity to actually get support and get a better discussion going and get better ideas from my team. But furthermore, when I tried to pretend like I knew what the answer was, even when I didn't, you know, it would cost me in, in credibility as, as well, right? Because I actually think that generally people have a pretty good uh, a detector of like when, you know, you're, you're saying something and it's not actually true or you don't really know what you're talking about. Um, and I found that in those situations, when I, I, I came clean and I said, look, this is a really complex topic and I don't exactly know what to do. I'm going to ask for, you know, uh, help from you guys, but I'm also going to go and talk to XYZ to get more uh, insight and advice. And then we're going to come back together and we'll we'll discuss this one more time. I felt that I got even more respect because people, you know, it, it, 
they they trusted me more. They realized that I was the kind of person that, uh, that that would always speak the truth, that I was somebody who would rely on them, that I wasn't perfect, but really nobody is, right? We, you know, even all of those great leaders that we admire, all of them go through their own versions of uh, of not always knowing the answer or, or having a crisis of confidence. And when you're able to admit that, I actually think it helps you create a better bond with the other person. And when I'm able to admit my weaknesses, my mistakes, and just kind of show up as as more vulnerable, I found that it actually makes it easier for other people to do that with me. And that's a helpful as well as a manager, because would you rather have a report that every time you met with them, you know, even if things weren't going right, they were trying to pretend like it was, and they weren't really telling you the, the full story? Or would you rather have somebody who tells you, hey, you know, uh, I'm working on this and I wanted to let you know right away that like, I'm worried about X, let's, can we come together and talk about it and see if we can put it on a better path, right? You're always going to have more opportunities to improve things and fix things. If you admit sometimes that, that, that they could be better or that, you know, maybe you made a mistake and there's so much power in being vulnerable as a leader. So I'm wondering if you could help us to give better actionable feedback and and why that matters so much? There's a couple of reasons why uh, I think feedback oftentimes doesn't tend to land. Um, The first reason why is that the other person doesn't trust you. And so if you're going in and you're trying to tell someone that they didn't do maybe a great job on this and you're trying to help them improve, if they don't trust you and they don't believe that you have their best interests at heart, it is very likely that whatever you say is not going to go through. And so before we get into even, you know, how do you say it and what do you say, I think you have to go back to what's the relationship that you have with this person and is that strong? You know, how have we gotten to the point where this person actually knows that I'm giving feedback because it's out of a place of, of wanting us to be better and because I truly care and not because I'm trying to sound smart. I'm trying to sound right. I'm trying to, you know, show off and 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 it's about me. And so that's really the the first and most important thing. Let's focus on the relationship and let's focus on what's the intention behind the feedback and make sure that it really is truly about uh, helping the other person improve. Because if it isn't, then it's better to to just hold back and and not give the feedback at that point in time. So so that's the first step I think to making anything actionable and uh, impactful. I think the second thing is to really um, is to focus on is my feedback being heard by and and understood by the other person. And so sometimes feedback is hard to give, especially if it's critical feedback and you know you don't want to necessarily hurt the other person's feelings. And and so I think sometimes it can be very very stressful. But the best way to I think help someone understand is to give them an example and to kind of talk about like what was your impression. So I always like to start it off with. When you did X action, I felt Y because Z, right? When you presented that first slide about whatever, you know, I felt confused because, you know, it seemed like it was different from what the media agenda said we would be talking about. You know, something, some formula like that to help someone really understand, uh, like, what was the emotion, what was the outcome, and uh, why exactly did you feel that way? And if somebody doesn't understand that, you know, you kind of want to go into even more detail, maybe give specific examples, because you, you might 
it's uh, tempting to go jump straight into solutions, right? To just be like, oh, you know, in the future, why don't you start your first slide with, you know, three bullet points instead of seven? But someone doesn't understand what the problem is, then they might do the solution. They, they haven't actually become sort of more aware of, of what it is that they're doing that might be a pattern for other contexts. And so help them understand the problem. And then you might suggest as an example, you know, in the future, you can try A, B, and C to, tr to help them make it a little bit more actionable and to give them something to go off of, right? Obviously, you don't want to dictate it because maybe, you know, they have a better idea for what they can do to address that solution. And ultimately, you know, the ball is going to be in their court. You're just helping them be aware of it so that they can be better. But sometimes if you give them a suggestion, like, you know, in the future, try using of the rule of threes, uh, you know, around bullet points, that can also help make it a little bit more actionable. Let me shift gears here. Um, judiciary executives often find themselves hiring new managers. So they're managing the new manager will be hiring the new manager. And in, in your book, you, you have this powerful passage I'd like to quote. It's, it, you say, hiring is not a problem to be solved, but an opportunity to build the future of the organization. So I'm wondering, how can judiciary executives or any executives best capitalize on that opportunity? The big thing for me was thinking about, uh, was, was going through that mindset shift for what it means to hire. You, you go into it from maybe a position of, uh, like, I really, really need someone here today because all the stuff isn't getting done. or And, and so there's this pressure to kind of do it quickly and to solve the problem so that you can kind of go back to having a smooth you know, operating team. And I always try and remind myself, don't fall into that gap of the pressure. Don't think about hiring as, you know, the, a problem, but instead think about it as an opportunity to bring someone in who might be with your team and your organization for years and will have a, a huge impact on how things go. And if you bring in somebody who is amazing at what they do and also a joy to be around, that's going to make your day better. You know, you're going to wake up in the morning and be able to work with this person and we're all going to be happier for it. And similarly, if you bring in someone and you were hasty and, and they came in and they weren't really a great fit and, and nobody really likes working with them, that's going to make things much, much worse. And hiring, especially managers or other leaders, is just so important. Um, and really, we should give it the time, the attention that it deserves. Um, the other thing that I would say about that is I think it's really important to spend time with candidates up front, uh, both to get to know them uh, and, and what what is the best environment that helps them thrive, as well as be honest about your own environment and, and you know, the norms, the values, the, the et cetera, that, that you have. If you're not actually totally honest um, and let's say somebody joins and they have a, an impression of your team that's slightly different from what it actually is, when they start, they'll see what's great and they'll also see the, the parts that aren't so great. Um, if it's very, very different from their expectations, then that's not good for anyone. I think if you can be really open and transparent with a candidate and you can say, look, this is what is exciting about the role. This is their challenges. This is what we're going to need someone to do. And by the way, these are our norms. This is our values. This is what we, how we work together as a team. This is what is, is great about the way we work. And here's some stuff that maybe isn't so great. And you can be completely open and transparent. The right candidates will self-select in. They're kind of going into it with eyes wide open. And so I think, I think about that a lot too, is just how much can I really try and convey about 
you know, what this team is and, and, and who we are, almost like our personality and our, our way of being so that uh, the right people can understand if it's the best match for them. So in addition to, to sharing and sort of being a little more transparent, you know, what, are there any questions that executives can ask of potential candidates to suss out if they will be a good fit and, and specifically a good manager? To be a good manager, uh, I think the, the set of questions I rely on are around how this person treats other people, how they deal with other people. I'll ask questions like, what's a time when uh, uh, you gave feedback to someone and it, it made a huge difference uh, for them? Um, I really want to understand, how do they think about growth? How do they think about uh, what success looks like in their job. I might ask them questions like, describe what a, a perfect hire for you looks like in, in your last management role. I'll also ask questions about like how they deal with conflict or tense situations. You want to know that they have a lot of emotional maturity because human issues can be messy. Everyone comes to the table with a slightly different personality, a slightly different perspective on the world. And so does this person have the emotional maturity to be able to be effective with lots of different personalities and also be able to be a calm and productive force? Um, somebody who de-escalates rather than escalates when you know human emotions and situations can get tense. So tell me about a time when you've really uh, struggled or you had reports who didn't get along with one another or you personally did not get along with a colleague, what did you do? But around whether or not somebody will be a great fit, and I like to use the word fit or matchmaking because that's what it is ultimately. You know, um, if, if, if our company isn't, uh, our organization isn't a great fit for this candidate, it doesn't mean we're bad. It doesn't mean the candidate is bad. It just might mean that, you know, life's too short to, to kind of try and force these things together when, um, when we might be able to find better matches elsewhere. Um, and so I, I always kind of keep that in mind that, you know, we want this to be a long-term relationship. So let's start it on a great footing of getting to know one another and being really, really open and honest with one another. Julie, as we wrap up, what's the most important thing you'd like us all to take away from this conversation? Learning to be a great manager and a great leader is not something that you're born with. It's something that we can grow into. Uh, and it's something that, you know, I've, uh, despite all of the many, many mistakes that I've made, I felt that it was such an, a rewarding journey because it helped me really understand more about myself and um, the satisfaction that we get from just knowing that a group of people can be working more effectively together because of our actions is is, is wonderful. So first thing is management is not uh, uh, a thing you're born with. It's really something you can learn and improve on. And secondly, you know, going back to what we talked about before, feedback, um, giving feedback and receiving feedback is the best way for you to learn and grow and the best way to help the others around you learn and grow. Well, Julie, I know that I'm going to be doing more uh, feedback giving and inviting um, as a result of this conversation. It was really lovely to talk with you and we really appreciate you sharing your insights with us today. Thank you so much, Lori. This was a huge pleasure. To hear more episodes of In Session, visit the executive education page on fjc.dcn and click or tap podcast. You can also search for and subscribe to this podcast on your mobile device. In Session was produced by Shelley Easter and directed and edited by Craig Bowden. Our program coordinator is Anna Glashkova. Special thanks to Michael Siegel and Chris Murray. Thanks for listening. 
stay well.